Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. What's going on in the world? I'm still in Maryland. I was supposed to leave earlier this week, but there was a mishap. And so I decided to stay a little longer. It's all worked out for the best, though. We've talked about this. I've spent most of my time here working. There were very many orders of Don't Waste Your Pretty. And I spent most of the month sending out orders. No complaints. Was happy to do it. But I am also happy not to be doing it right now. Later in the year, maybe around the holidays, I'll do another signing. But right now, I'm happy to have my life back and get to focusing on a few other projects I had to put on hold to fulfill all of those orders. They are all shipped, which I'm super, super excited about. I haven't really been able to hang out with my friends. And, you know, there's still a global pandemic. So I actually am hooking up with a couple people my very good friend Angel from Spice Suite. Usually when I'm in town, I make a point to go by her house and, and sit at her kitchen table while she cooks brunch or breakfast and I play with her daughter. But this time I hit her up and I was like, hey, what are you doing? I want to see you. And she was like, let's do aerial yoga. I was like, girl, what? She posts pictures on her page sometimes of her aerial yoga sessions. Mind you, she does not work out and has like a full six pack and her daughter... Did she just turn one? It makes no sense. Anyway, she was like, aerial yoga, it's like the only workout I do. I was like, does aerial yoga really count as a workout? She insisted it does. And because she's one of my favorite humans and she specifically asked me, I agreed to try aerial 
yoga. I don't know how this one's going to go, y'all. Angel likes to take pictures. I'm going to be like, look, I need to see everything before you post it. You're not going to put no pictures of me with my ass in the air tumbled up in some sheets hanging from the ceiling. Um, What else is going on? Method Man's ass was all out on power this week. I haven't been watching Power. If you recall a previous episode of Ratchet and Respectable, I talked about how 50 Cent is just out of control with his disrespect for women. And I just don't like to support his products anymore. You know, I, and and I love Notori Naughton. I, I love Courtney Kemp. She granted me a really wonderful interview many, many years ago, which I was just over the moon about. She probably kickstarted my interest in screenwriting, to be quite honest with you. And as much as I love her, I think I might loathe I don't want to say hate I think I might loathe 50 cent even more so I haven't been watching the new power but the other night my timeline lit up method man was trending I was like what is going on so I watched power it's it's interesting I didn't I didn't care for most of what I saw it's just a preference it's not bad but it's just I don't know maybe I'm in a different direction now maybe power's in a different direction I don't know I just, I wasn't into it. Even if Tariq is much more, what's the word? Not sustainable. Likeable? I don't know if I fully like him, but I acknowledge that he is more likable on the spinoff of Power than he was on the original Power. I want to give credit where it is due. I say that and still, unless there's more Method Man ass to be shown and frontal, that was nice too. He was in his boxer briefs, but unless there's more of that, I don't think I'll be I'll be tuning back in. I thought his sex scene was really good, but it just it didn't have like the Jamie passion. James St. Patrick was a horrible human being, but that man could could do some work in the bedroom, the couch, up against the wall in his office. James St. Patrick was a man of many talents. That's hard to top though. But it was nice. I have no complaints. Like I said, if it happens again, somebody DM me, tweet me, text me, let me know. Don't leave me out here. People talk about Method Man. I'm like, why is everybody talking about Method Man? I'm like, girl. Oh, what else is going on? The Rock endorsed Joe Biden, which is very surprising because he's not usually very vocal about politics. His brand is very safe, I would say. I follow him on Instagram and consistently he posts his family, him working, him working out, and him thanking his fans. Oh, and his new tequila brand. That's that's it. So in, endorsing a presidential candidate was really a big deal for him. That said, he did go to the Republican National Convention like 20 years ago. But the only thing he did was encourage people to vote. I mean, I guess by being there, he's, you know, endorsing. But that's all he said. But in this new video he did where he endorsed Biden, he said that he's an independent And then he also said that Biden is the leader that our country needs in this moment, which good for him. I'm very glad that he spoke up. We are in the middle of a shit show, which it seems like it could not get worse. It can. This is an all hands on deck situation. I'm glad that the rocks showed up. We need everyone possible in the uphill battle to get Biden elected. If you can hear the sound of my voice, vote. If you want to vote for Trump, stay home. But if you're going to vote for Biden, please, by all means, by hook or by crook, vote one way or another. Vote. That's it. The Rock's comments are in shambles. 
He endorsed Biden like a good, I say, four days ago. They ain't let up on his ass yet. Every time he posts something, like after he posted the Biden thing, he posted something about a new film he was working on. And all the comments were Trump 2020. And I can't believe you're endorsing Biden. Shut up and act. You should be called the pebble instead of a rock. Reading his comments, and you really should read them, because I think sometimes people who are liberal, people who are Democrats, people who are quote unquote socialists, we sometimes get in this echo chamber, sort of like we did with the last election. Like everyone who supported Hillary was so gung ho Hillary that we couldn't possibly see that Trump was a viable threat. And and look at us now. So I was looking at The Rock's comments and I was looking at how many there were. And some of them were bots, to be sure. But other ones were like official like people. I'm like, there's really that many Trump supporters and they're like rabid in their support of Trump. Like they're scary, to be quite honest with you. I mean, them folks is mad, 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 mad. It's okay. Folks can be mad. You know what I like to say. Like, you're going to be that mad? Put on a cape. Be super mad. It's okay. The Rock will be just fine, just to be clear. He is the highest paid actor in Hollywood. He is great in a blockbuster, tear-up shit movie, which I love. Those Into Earth movies, I love it. But he's the highest paid actor. He has a net worth of $350 million. If he never acts again, if he never does anything again, I'm sure he can still afford his private jet. He'll be fine. Also, like, literally, The Rock has 199 million followers on Instagram. That's part of the reason he gets paid all that money. He's got a built-in audience of 199 million people worldwide. So, one, people outside this country don't care who he endorses for president. The Rock endorsing Biden, that's probably great for the international audience. Also, say half The Rock's followers are Trump supporters, right? Say half his supporters abandoned him and was like, you know what? We're never going to see another Rock film again. Fuck The Rock. He still has 100 million followers left. The Rock could lose half his audience and still have more followers than Kevin Hart, who's also a bankable star. Come on. I'm glad more people are speaking out. I think a lot about, um, I think at the, the height of the George Floyd protest, Michael Jordan and Nike, or was it just Jordan brand? Either way, I guess. They decided to donate $100 million towards Black Lives Matter type causes over the next 10 years. And the comment my friend made was like, I see Jordan's trying to get more involved in politics, so his legacy will be more than a nigga who played basketball real well. I was like, really? Is that what Jordan means? And he was like, okay, a nigga who played basketball real well and made a lot of money. That's not how you go down in history. Just FYI. He's like, you want to be iconic forever for black folk? You need to actually do something for your people. The $100 million, that'll help. But maybe that's where The Rock is right now. I really don't think his followers knew he was black until he endorsed Biden. I think The Rock was one of those people to white people because black people claim him. I think for white people, The Rock was one of those, like, he's not black, he's The Rock. Oh, oh, oh remember when Beyonce did the Super Bowl she was in full leather channeling Black Panthers and white people were like, oh my God, Beyonce's so political. And the joke was like, y'all just realized Beyonce's black in the middle of like the first round of Black Lives Matter that a black woman decided to use her wide ass platform to support black issues. Not to say that supporting Biden is supporting a black issue, but it is not supporting the outwardly racist dude. I don't know why white people are shocked. Like, oh my God, the black guy's not supporting the racist. 
I mean, the outward racist. <sighs> I'm a vote for Biden, but you know, it's... I bite my tongue on so much because he's the lesser of two evils. And I think that if people really had like a genuine conversation about Biden, he's not as bad as Trump. Let, uh, let, me, let me say that. And I'll say that's the only reason I'm really voting for him. It's not for a like of Biden. It's because he's not as bad as Trump. Which is weird. You think about like brand Biden, like under Obama, like we loved Biden. Biden was like the white bestie. He was like the attack dog. Like Barack had to like keep it respectable and Biden could go like full ratchet. And now just a mere, what, four years later. But now Biden's branding is just a hot mess. The debate did him no favors. That debate was terrible. I was dreading watching that debate like even before like I had like this I wouldn't say like butterflies in my stomach I wasn't nauseous but I was just like dread I used the right word the first time I just had this like this foreboding sense of like oh this is going to be terrible and it was 10 times worse than what I thought it would be I I knew Trump was going to be Trumpish which he exceeded the worst of expectations I had for him. Like he was just beyond. But I really feared that Biden was going to go full Biden, which to his credit, he didn't. He he tried to stay on track as much as he could. I was scared he was either going to look like a feeble old man or he was going to go full Biden, by which I mean, just say reckless off the cuff-ish that he just doesn't realize it's crazy sounding when he says it. Did y'all ever hear Biden talking about like the black kids who used to play with the blonde hair on his legs? And I was like, why are you telling this story? Anyway, I'm, I'm embarrassed to be an American. Did I say that already? Watching the debate, I was horrified. I watched it with my dear sweet mama who used more F-bombs in the 90 minutes of the debate than I've literally heard her use in my entire lifetime. My mom doesn't really curse like that. She's very like Claire Hustle meets like light Oprah. She was just letting them loose. And I was like, mommy. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He just, he just brings out the worst in me. I was like, evidently. But I feel like that's how everyone feels about Trump. Like the president of the United States, Right. The moderator, who was awful, but I don't know how much better he could have been, but he was awful nonetheless. Chris Wallace was terrible. So the moderator asked Trump, he said, President of the United States, will, will you denounce white supremacists? And he was like, who, who am I denouncing? White supremacists? And he said, the Proud Boys, like white supremacists, will you denounce white supremacists? The President of the United States couldn't even be like, yes, absolutely. I completely condemn white supremacy and, and groups that, that practice hate and racism. Like completely, this is terrible. He was like, uh, stand down and, and stand by? Nigga, what? This is, this is your advice to white supremacists? Stand by? What? And then went on to talk about Antifa. The man is obsessed with Antifa. Antifa and the lawless democratic cities and law and order, law and order. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? If you listen to, to Trump for long periods of time, which unfortunately, like I've had the displeasure of doing so, like many Americans, it's like he has these sound bites that he throws out. 
like these one liners back to back, but like one thought doesn't necessarily build on the other. It's really sad. I was going to say it's strange, but I was like, no, he's, he's the leader of a nation of 330 million people. He, he should at least be articulate, but not so much. He went after Biden's son who was using drugs at one point, which I was like, it had nothing to do with anything. Like Biden was up there trying to talk about Trump, talking about how soldiers are are weak or I can't remember whatever word he used. Suckers, suckers and losers. That's what he said. So Biden was trying to defend his son, his deceased son, who was a war hero. And Trump was like, oh, are you, are you, which one are you talking about? He said, I'm talking about Bo. And he was like, no, I'm talking about the other one, like the one who was using drugs. Like, what? How dare you call out somebody's son who's not running for office, mind you? How dare you call out somebody's child as a drug addict on national TV in the streets? And I'm not from the streets. I'm from the cul-de-sac. It is what it is. But so I heard in the streets. Those are fighting words. You talk about somebody's kid like that in public? I don't care that Hunter's a grown-ass man. That's still that man's son. You don't talk about nobody's kids like that. That's... And they have nothing to do with Nothing. Nothing. He just said that shit to rattle Biden. And it actually made me feel slightly better about how bad he did Hillary. Remember the, the debate with Hillary? I want to say the first debate. He had one of Bill Clinton's former mistresses sitting up in the audience. The man has no coos. He has no bottom. Like we thought the bar was on the floor. That man just dug a hole and was like, let's go further. Let's go deeper. There's just, there's no bottom for him. There's none. Who was the black guy that tried to defend Trump? The Republican. Tim Scott. He did an interview today. He said he believes Trump misspoke when he told the Proud Boys to stand by. He ain't misspeak. And he don't like your black ass. You really up here defending a man who, who wouldn't think twice of letting them lynch you. Oh, God. Some of these black folk. And I don't mean just black men. I mean black folk. Because there's some women out here, too, that just be saying crazy shit. And you be like, what, where did your family go wrong with you in life? At what point in life did you decide, you know what? I'm going to make a left. I'm like, they don't like you. They don't want you there. They don't respect you. They trot you out as their Negro pet for show. You might as well be a circus act, sir. Behold the Negro who hates Negroes. What a fascinating spectacle. Biden was weak in the debate. He got a few one-liners in there. He had some memorable moments. Like he told Trump at one point, he was like, just shut up. He called him a clown. He called him a racist. And still, I was like, this, this, Trump was like just on him. He wouldn't let him get a full sentence out, complete a full thought. Like he just kept jumping in and interrupting him and just really stealing all the attention and sucking up all the air in the room, being a belligerent ass. But he also very often kept Biden from making a point. Biden would be midpoint, get sidetracked into what Trump was saying, then respond to Trump and then they would go back and forth and Biden never got his thought out. And then the moderator would be like, okay, two minutes. Now it's time for Trump. Like I said, like I missed the days when Biden was thought of as Barack's attack dog. He would say the inappropriate ish that Barack wouldn't. And I was like, where's that Biden? We got to find some middle ground where like you, you allow him to be quick on his feet. Because I believe he still got the one-liners in him. He wasn't sharp with it. Like Trump was talking about like, yeah, I hold these rallies and they're great and nobody's coming to see you. And I wanted Biden to say like, yes, because we are in a global pandemic and I don't want to kill my constituency. I don't want to see another 200,000 people dead. You don't care. And Trump was like, oh, my rallies are safe. Nothing's happened. Everything's been great. But Herman Cain died 
from COVID from attending one of your rallies. Like I wanted like Biden to just like, like hop on those things. And he didn't. Biden can only go so far with Trump because if he starts acting like Trump, then you lose the moral high ground of saying like this man is a belligerent idiot. Like if you start acting like a belligerent idiot with the belligerent idiot, then you're both belligerent idiots. I don't even know how you you combat that. Like Biden did it a couple times where he just turned away from Trump. He ignored him and he spoke directly to camera speaking to the American people. He did really good when he was like, look, vote, vote. And I hope in the next debate, he just does more of that. Like he just completely ignores President Trump. He pretends he's not there. He says what he needs to say, blocks him out and just speaks directly to the American people. That strategy might work for him. Because what we saw the other night, I don't, I don't know what to call them. The, the board of debaters, the people who oversee the debates were like, yeah, so we're going to have to make some new rules because um, Trump acted a whole ass and this format is not going to work for us. This was a shit show in case you weren't aware. So we're going to have to do something different. So Biden's people were like, all right, well, sure, let's do the different thing. And Trump's people were like, no, absolutely not. The board of debaters was like, yeah, so there will be no debate or you won't be able to participate if you don't agree to the new rules because we're not having another shit show. That did nothing for the American people. It inspired no enthusiasm. CNN had this panel of like undecideds. I'm like, how did you really get this far and and not be sure? You're okay with the raging racist or you want the other guy? Because that's really what this boils down to. But there was a black dude. He was like, I don't know who I'm voting for. Vote for the dude who's not trying to put you back in chains, dude. Is that hard? There was this other white guy. He was like, I was really on the fence. I didn't know. But after seeing this debate and the way that Biden behaved and calling Trump a clown, like, I just thought that was really, like, indecent and, and not presidential. And so, you know, I've decided to go with Trump. Did we watch the same debate? Trump talking about that man's son being a drug addict? That wasn't offensive to you? That man just talking and talking and talking, not letting Biden get a word in edgewise? That wasn't offensive to you? The man refusing to denounce white supremacists? That wasn't offensive to you? Biden calling a clown a clown was offensive to you? Sir, just say you're a goddamn racist and go home. Get off the damn CNN airwaves, wasting good people's times. I'm undecided. Sir, you're a racist and you're not comfortable saying out loud until this moment. I'm sick of these folks. I am sick. There was a joke on Twitter. People were saying who should host the debates instead of Chris Wallace. He tried. He tried. And it's very, very difficult when you're dealing with somebody like Trump who just doesn't listen to reason and breaks rules and doesn't care. Like, you can't get up and put a muzzle on him. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't stop him. You can ask him to stop. Unless you physically restrain him, you can't stop him from talking. I would hope for this next debate that somebody had the good sense to put mics on mute when the other person is speaking. That would be really, really helpful. Chris tried. I believe he had a good heart. And then Trump wanted to argue back and forth with the moderator. I was like, sir, what is wrong with you? It was some shameful shit. Like I said, I am embarrassed to be an American right now. I am embarrassed. I'm going to start telling people I'm Canadian, eh? When people said (laughs) the next debate... They should have Sam Jackson. Motherfucker, I said two minutes. Shut up. I was like, look, it's not a bad idea. Sam Jackson, Judge Judy, Yonda Van Zant, Jennifer Lewis. 
Look, MF Jake Tapper from CNN. Jake Tapper has had it with everyone. He is sick of everyone's shit. Jake Tapper came on last night after the debate and they said, Jake, what did you think of the debate? Jake ain't hold no cut cards. I think Jake might be hanging out with some black people when he's not on TV. Jake said, quote, that was a hot mess. <laughs> inside a dumpster fire. <laughs> inside a train wreck. <laughs> that was the worst debate I have ever seen. In fact, it wasn't even a debate. It was a disgrace. They should let Jake host the debates. Jake was going back and forth with somebody on CNN earlier today. And dude just would not shut up. He was doing that shit Trump was doing last night. Jake was done. He was like, you know what? I'm not Chris Wallace. And just cut the man off. And just started reading from the prompter. He was good. I posted the video on my Instagram. It was excellent. Like, I watched it live. I howled. That shit was hilarious. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. We need to talk about Breonna Taylor again. A judge has ordered the release of the grand jury recordings for Friday. The grand juror requested in court that all recordings, transcripts, and reports of the panel relating to the police-involved shooting of Breonna Taylor be released to the public. The juror suggested that Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron may have misrepresented to the public the case presented to the panel. The anonymous grand juror said it's important for the public to know what charging options were presented to the grand jury and whether charges were recommended in connection with Taylor's killing. I'm reading this. Is this from the New York Times? I think it's the Times. More or less, on Tuesday, the Kentucky Attorney General said that he never recommended murder charges against the police officers for Breonna Taylor's death. In an interview, he said, quote, Ultimately, our judgment is that the charge that we could prove at trial beyond a reasonable doubt was for wanton endangerment against Mr. Hankinson. That's the white neighbor. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Most people have interpreted it to mean that he may have withheld evidence, which may, which may have led to the grand jurors bringing charges. But on Friday, we will know word for word what evidence he presented or what evidence he left out.
I'm so sick of this man. I said this last week and I don't think it can be said enough. I just don't understand how Breonna Taylor is dead and no one is being held accountable. They're treating it like, oh, she just died in her sleep and there was nothing that could have been done. Huh? The last time we spoke, Louisville was, people didn't know what was going to happen. Like, is there going to be another round of protests? Are we going to go full riots? Are we just going to all go home and defeat? Like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And so there's a little, you know, scuffles and upticks. And Breonna Taylor's family released a statement. They said, please, you know, don't don't commit these crimes in, in Breonna Taylor's name. We're calling for peace. But you know what? Her family should do whatever they see fit. They have suffered a horrific loss. I can't imagine what her family is going through. So when I say this, I mean it is no judgment against her family. They are free to do as they please. They knew Breonna Taylor. I did not. Maybe she would have genuinely wanted peace to be called for in her name after she was murdered while she was sleeping. I said this on Instagram. I'm going to say it here too. If something is to happen to me where my life is cut short by some sort of state-sanctioned violence and no one is held accountable, do not call for peace in my name. If you want to sit it out, you want to be like, oh, you know, would you say something to calm the people? No comment. But don't get up on no platform like, oh, Demetria wouldn't have wanted this. Yes, she would. If I can't get justice in a courtroom, if the United States of America cannot treat my life like it has value, burn this bitch down. I'm just telling you that now because I sleep sometimes. You know, I'm a black woman who goes to sleep. Anything could happen while I'm asleep. So I just want you to know that. Since the grand jury announcement, I've seen like crazy conversations about Breonna Taylor, stuff that wasn't coming up before. I saw this post on Facebook and I didn't screenshot it. I think I probably blocked the person because it was so belligerent. And I don't recall if it was a man or a woman. I just remember it was a black person. They were justifying Breonna Taylor's murder. The reasoning was, well, you know, she used to date a drug dealer. And if she'd made better choices than men, instead of being into this street shit, she probably wouldn't be dead now. What? Her boyfriend, who was in her home sleeping with her, wasn't a drug dealer. At some point, she dated somebody who was in a nefarious situation, which is not a good choice. But she also was no longer with him. And for that poor choice, she should not have paid with her life. The woman was sleep. We hold black women to these crazy, unreasonable standards where it's like, if you are not perfect, somehow you contributed to your own murder. The standards that black people, hear my words, black people, as in black men and black women, put on black women, it's the same shit white people do to black people, black men and black women. It's so many people being oppressed who are running around oppressing others. And I'm just like, you don't like it when it's done to you. So why do you do it to someone else? This this black person is out here talking about like, oh, she shouldn't have dated a drug dealer. But white people say shit like, oh, well, he should have just complied. Like there's always a reason to be made of why you deserve to die or get your ass beat. And it's not just Brianna. Like I remember... When Meg Thee Stallion first got shot, and I think before she came out and said it was Tory Lanez, maybe after, but Boyce Watkins, somebody I very much used to respect at one point, an economist, a political commentator, is really well known. He got on social media, and instead of being like, yeah, Tory Lanez shouldn't have shot that woman, he was like, yeah, you women really got to stop dating thugs. That's why y'all get shot. What? 
Y'all ain't going to blame the shooter for shit. Y'all going to blame the person that got shot. I don't understand. I mean, I do understand. It's rampant misogyny. A lot of men really, really, really like fucking women, but really, really, really hate women. It's just evident and obvious and blatant. It plays out so often, so many ways, every single day. It's disgusting. Speaking of disgusting, Tory Lanez. That's a disgusting motherfucker right there. I try to reserve my MFs to people who really deserve them. Unless I'm using them as like, you know, MF Michael Ely. Because that is a lot of beautiful man. That's not the point. The point is, Tory Lanez ain't shit. He made a whole album about how he didn't shoot Meg, but he was also kind of in love with Meg and he wanted her back. But he also didn't shoot Meg and stopped lying and say that he shot her. Meg said you shot her. Why would she lie? Some man tried to argue with me and he was like, well, women lie all the time and the courts favor men. Do they? And he was like, yeah, family court. And I was like, sir, I I believe we were discussing a criminal case. I, I didn't realize we were talking about child support or divorce. He was like, well, Meg lied. She probably wanted sympathy. I was like, that's probably the one thing that girl hasn't gotten at all. But I was like, who does she get sympathy from? Because all I see is people blaming her for being shot, making fun of her for being shot, including black women. Trash. And that mofo put that album out, was it a day, 48 hours after the Breonna Taylor decision? Why did you or your team think that was a good idea, sir? You couldn't hold that one for like a week or so? Maybe contemplate the material that was on the album. Think about the timing of it. Maybe say to yourself, self, this ain't going to do me no damn favors. He went after everybody. Like a couple people pulled him off their songs. He was mad at them. I was like, sir, you shot a woman. You shot her. You didn't expect women to even ride for her. I mean, that might have been a reasonable assumption. Now that I think about it. I think about all the women who blame Rihanna for being assaulted. We live in a sorry-ass country. I'm, ugh. We are just in a sorry-ass state. And I hate to be so pessimistic, but, like, we are. In more bad news, I'm sorry to be a killjoy, but these are the things that are happening this week. In a press release on Tuesday, Essence Magazine, which, full disclosure, I worked there for four years, many years ago, but I still freelance for them. Essence said that it had been forced to furlough staff due to revenue losses as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. If you recall, Essence Festival got canceled early this year. Essence Festival for years has been Essence's core moneymaker. The festival is what keeps the other Essence properties afloat. The statement detailed that none of the furloughed employees will perform any work on behalf of Essence during the furlough period. Essence will pay everyone impacted throughout this week. So this announcement came out on Tuesday and they said that they would continue to pay everyone through Friday. Essence added that they will cover the medical benefits throughout the furlough. So at least folks will have health insurance. They won't have no checks, but they will have health insurance. I... I can't imagine having a nine to five for however long you had it and relying on a check to pay your bills and then finding out on a Tuesday that you're not getting a check again. I have friends that work at Essence. I talked to a couple of them earlier today. A lot of tears, a lot of tears, a lot of sadness, a lot of what the fuck. A lot of folks just don't know what they're going to do, as you can imagine. Because I personally know people there, because I worked there at one point, it hits home for me. But it's no different than people in any industry. I want to say it's American Airlines just laid off a bunch of people. Disney laid off 28,000 people. 
28,000. I feel like this is actually the beginning of these massive layoffs. We didn't do what we were supposed to do with COVID to get this thing under control. And we are paying the demands of bad decisions on the back end. There's no vaccine in sight. Despite what your president says, he says it's going to be here by the election. It'll be here before the end of the year. No, it won't. Every reliable scientist is like, yeah, maybe sometime in like, you know, mid 2021, probably more likely third quarter. I just. There's more to the essence story. The press release said that they don't expect that the furloughs will last longer than six months, which still is a really long time to go without a check. And notably, there's been a lot of conversation about how could this happen to Essence and sort of parsing choices that Essence and and other uh, Black media have made. Because Essence is one of the few that's still standing. Ebony and Jet are gone. It's notable that Essence is not the only publication that's been dealing with furloughs during this pandemic. There's Vox Media and, and Condé Nast and BuzzFeed News have all dealt with furloughs and layoffs. It's not necessarily a mismanagement of black media. It's just COVID is fucking shit up. COVID is just a virus to people and it's a virus to the economy because we're not handling it right. Essence's been having a hard time lately. Like the festival was canceled. They did a digital festival. Did you attend that? I didn't even know about it. I feel like I'm still the core demographic. I'm like a millennial X hybrid. I'm technically off millennial by six months. Claim Gen X for various reasons. Millennials are fine, but the brand of millennial is just really awful. I just go with Gen X to seem like a real adult. But I knew nothing about it. But remember, like, there was the, uh, we talked about that on here. The Black Female Anonymous. And they accused Essence of creating a, quote, abusive work culture in which bullying, discrimination, and sexual harassment were common. They said the staffers were systemically suppressed by pay inequity, sexual harassment, corporate bullying, intimidation, colorism, and classism. I don't think we talked about the update to that investigation. Essence brought in two law firms to do this six-week review. They talked to like 20-something employee. The firms determined, let me read exactly what they said. They quote, did not find any evidence of conduct that would amount to unlawful discrimination, harassment, or retaliation. There was, however, I'm quoting now, a widely shared sentiment that employees feel overworked and unappreciated. Several witnesses stated that they felt pressured to work incredibly hard without recognition or reward, and there are no boundaries or work-life balance. According to a number of employees, much of this work is generated by poor planning and a lack of communication from certain members of management. Based on our interviews, there's also a lack of transparency with respect to pay and promotions. A senior staff member at Essence spoke on the condition of anonymity out of fear of retribution. The person said parts of the Black Female Anonymous essay rang true. Quote, a lot of the problems in the letter I have seen, the inefficiencies, the belittlement, the lack of transparency within management, you could feel the toxicity. I have not worked at Essence under the current leadership. I freelance for them, but I have not worked in office. So I can't speak to the environment there. I will say a lot of what is described was 
part of the environment when I did work there is one of the reasons I left. I don't think I've ever told the story of why I left Essence. Eh, I'll save it for another day. Essence is under the gun right now. And I don't like to kick people when they're down. It's not the right time. I've shared that story someday. I've made peace with all the people that I made peace with the um, person I had an issue with. <laughs> she was actually going through a divorce. She's straight up evil. And I didn't know she was going through a divorce. I don't think anybody did. And had she said something, it would have explained things a little better. She pulled the pin in her own grenade and her life is in shambles. The thing that she did that made me quit, I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? I really was like, yo, I I have too many degrees for this shit. You're not going to talk to me any kind of way. Another story for another day. And happy news. We'll end on a happy note. Can we talk about Lovecraft Country? I am not getting paid for this review. I, I do stuff with HBO, but this is not a check. They did send me a wonderful gift box. I'm just being transparent. I posted most of the stuff they sent on my Instagram because I was like, yo, this is how you woo someone to watch your show. I'm not into horror, and I thought I wasn't into sci-fi. And then somebody pointed out to me, they were like, didn't you used to like do recaps of Game of Thrones? The woman was flying around on a dragon. You like sci-fi. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess you have a point. And I was like, well, let's see what the black people are doing today on HBO. But this most recent episode with M.F. Hippolyta, and I say M.F. Hippolyta, and I give her the same M.F. that I give to Michael Ely, but for different reasons. Ajwane Ellis acts her ass off in this show. This last episode, Beyond. Beyond Cess. It was amazing. There was a lot that happened in the episode, but I just want to talk about Hippolyta because I thought the portrayal of this black woman goes off to explore. You know, I like to run off and just go roam and take pictures of doors or architecture or just art and avocados. Like I just go to a country just so I can eat avocados for a week. I love ish like that. But ma'am, her husband died. She is grieving. She knows that she has not gotten the full truth about what happened to her husband. She's a grieving widow. She needs to sort herself out. And what better way than to be alone with yourself? So she gets in her big ass car and she goes riding and she's listening to Josephine Baker singing French. And while she's riding, this black woman pulls up on a motorcycle, which I was like, hey, it's a black woman on a motorcycle. I didn't even realize that it was a historical figure because the show loves to throw historical figures into the mix. I didn't know who that woman was, Bessie Stringfield. I'd never heard of Bessie Stringfield. And then I saw people talking like, oh, my God, that's Bessie Stringfield. Who is Bessie Stringfield? Bessie Stringfield was an honest to God black woman who in the 30s, the 1930s of the United States of America, got on a motorcycle and biked across country alone. She did that shit eight times. Just wanted to be with herself in the open road and off she went. I was like, look at this black woman on a motorcycle. Man was riding around and getting it in 1930. Why why have I never heard this woman's name? And why doesn't she have a story, a documentary at least, but she can't have a feature film? Like the Hidden Figures ladies, like they did the astrophysics and the math and all that. Like, that was great. I want Bessie. I want to know about Bessie's adventures out on the road eight times. I read that she got tired of driving around America and then she went over to Haiti and was driving around over there. Haiti is hilly as fuck. Then she went over to Europe and was riding around over there. It's fascinating. I've never heard of this woman. I was shocked. But Hippolyta went. I don't know if what she found was a time machine. It was, it was something that took her into other dimensions. 
the first dimension she goes in and this is my bias at play. She ends up in this very dark place and I'm like, oh no, it's, I'm afraid for her. But then it turns out that the really dark place is a happy, safe place. This alien android with the afro walks in. I was like kind of passively watching the show. I sat up and I was like, yo, I'm really watching some black sci-fi. Like, it's not just like we're going to take some regular sci-fi stuff and throw some black people in there just for like diversity's sake. The aliens is black too, y'all. And the, and the alien got an afro. I was excited. So Hip is like, yo, what am I doing here? What's going on? I want to leave. And the Afro alien android was like, yo, you are not in prison. And then so Hip is like freaking out. Like she's doing all these calculations. She's like a hidden figures black chick. There's a lot of them. So she like triggers the door and the alien appears and like knocks her across the room. And she was like, yo, you are not in prison. Stop acting like this. And she was like, what do you want? Who are you? Hippolyta is like, what are you talking about? You asking me who I am and what I want to do? Like, that's nuts. Because black people don't get to just be who they are. They don't get to just do the ish that they want to do. They are limited in so many ways. Or so they think. Or so white people try to make them. It's a lot going on there. Levels. And she finally asked her, she said, well, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to go to Paris and I want to dance with Josephine Baker. And I'm floored. Because this woman goes on this adventure through time and space. And she works out like a bunch of her issues. So she's a very respectable woman in her Chicago life. But then she goes off into this other realm and she's like dancing half naked in some feathers. She looked good in her feathers. Some people were like, oh my God, she's so brave to show her body. Her body was fine. She ain't brave to show shit. She looked great. Ma'am is out here with the soundtrack of Lady Marmalade. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi, sous-soir? Ma'am was drinking a little, smoking a little, took a little bump of coke. Flirting with the girls and the boys. Became besties with Josephine Baker. Josephine Baker is on the couch making out with Frida Kahlo. There was so much going on. But Hip was free. And then she gave the speech. She was like, yo, it hit me. And I know it hit so many other people. She was like, basically, I thought I was free. But really, I was acting in the ways that they told me that I should act. Basically, I don't know what freedom is. I only know what they told me to do. And then I tried to do it. And like, it didn't make me happy. I did these things and now I'm angry. So she works out her freedom issues. And then she works out her anger issues. And then she goes to her husband and she works out her issues that she had with him about playing small. And in that beautiful scene where she says, you were complicit. Like you saw me playing small and you kept me smaller. He tries to deny it. And then he admits, he says, yes, I did because I wanted us to be a family. So that he could go be big and explore in the world and live out his passions and his dreams. He required you to be small because somebody had to take care of the day to day. The washing and the cleaning and the living and the caretaking of the kid. But she says that to him and he acknowledges what she said. And then he apologizes. For me, that was big. It's for all the times that I've played small and I've said like, this is what I need. This is what you're doing. This is what's not working for me. All I ever got was like denial. You're making it up. You're crazy. You're over-exaggerating. You're making too big. I can't deal with this. Why are you like this? Like, you're doing the most right now. And, like, to see the possibility of somebody being like, I did that shit, and I'm sorry. I want to do better going forward. Them mofos held hands and went off into a new world on some, like, Judy and George Jetson. They held a little astronaut protection. They went bouncing someplace. They had weird gravity. 
And hip was just discovering shit, just discovering, looking at shit, examining shit, learning shit. Shit floated off and she just grabbed it and look at it some more. And her husband took notes. I was moved by this exploration of the needs and desires of black women. The search for your inner happy. Who are you? I think I talked about that on here before when I went to Leading Women Defined. And I had this um, breakout session with Lisa Nichols. And the first thing that she asked us to do in the session, she had us pair off. And you would sit with your partner and your partner would ask you 10 times, who are you? And you would say, I am, I am, I am, I am. How do you define yourself? What makes you define yourself that way? You just keep digging. I am, I am, I am. Every time you dig a little more. I watched this whole episode and I'm floored. I go in the kitchen and I tell my mom, I'm like, mom, you got to watch this episode of the show. She was like, I don't do ghosts and monsters. I'm not watching it. So I was like, no, mommy, there's this woman and she goes to this portal and she goes into space and there's this like alien. And then like she goes dancing in Paris with Josephine Baker. Like, and then she's like training as a warrior. And my mom, bless her heart. She was like, why want to watch a white woman do that? Because in her head, she just couldn't conceive based on the information that I was giving her that it was a black woman doing all this. Because you never see black women doing this, you know? You don't see black people in sci-fi. You don't really see black people in horror unless they get killed off in the first few minutes. Like, black folks living through a horror film is relatively new. Thank you, Jordan Peele. And then I was like, no, mommy, the woman is black. And she said, the black lady went through the portal? And I said, yeah. And she said, the black lady went to outer space? And I was like, yeah. And she danced with Josephine Baker? And I was like, yeah, mommy, the black lady. And so she was like, oh, yeah, put that on the TV. I want to see that. I watched it in the kitchen with my mom. And I turned around and looked at her every so often when I knew, like, something big was coming up. Oh, my gosh, I'm about to cry. In the episode, there's this scene where Hippolyta is sitting on the floor of her bedroom. And she's trying to figure out the gold spinny thing that looks like the solar system. And she finally figures it out. It lights up. And then you look at Hip and she lights up. My mom's face looked like a little kid who just saw something light up. And then when Hip was like floating in space, talking to God, who was a black woman, it was mind blowing. The woman that does this show, Misha Green, she's also the woman that did Underground. Sis is doing the Lord's work for black people. Between the historical references And the stories of black women and their hopes, their fears, their insecurities, their joys, their loves, their pains. I feel seen. And of all things, in like horror sci-fi, who would have thunk that? Somebody tell Misha she's killing it. So that is our episode for the week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We will be back next week with a fresh episode. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe on whatever platform you are listening to this podcast on. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life between now and the next episode, follow me on social media at Demetria L. Lucas. The merch for Ratchet and Respectable is coming soon. We've got tees, we've got sweatshirts, we've got mugs. Working on notebooks. I feel like sometimes here I might say things that might spark a thought, something you might want to keep in mind to think on later. I always keep a small notebook and a pen with me, even in my smallest of purses. Very, very rarely will you find me without it. Old school writer. I like to write things down. So 
I think we'll do some notebooks as well. But if there's anything else you think would be cute to see, please let me know. Slide in my DMs and let me know what else that might be. So we will talk again soon next week. Okay, bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.